You're listening to podcast number 216, part one of a two-part series where Paul, Jocelyn, and Ivan summarize the end of the 2012 Symphony in Seed and Soil Tour. Enjoy. The tour has ended. And uh, and so we've got Ivan and Jocelyn left. We're the, the last three um and and so we've uh we're trying to remember all the different things that we saw that haven't already been covered in podcasts so i kind of think <clears throat> that the last time we kind of made a tour summary was when we were at the palace of fine arts in san francisco which i think was more than a week ago um and uh so let's see we did a podcast with carol steinfeld we went and had lunch with her and she showed us around san francisco a little bit and then we did the podcast with her, um, and then we tried to make our way out of San Francisco. Um, and uh, where did we, we went to Glens after that, right? Yeah. Yes. Glens. We went immediately to Glens, which is over by Yosemite, where we went to go see the big trees. And I was kind of thinking, like, yeah, those are those are big, but I, I don't know. They didn't seem that big. They didn't seem so big. It's like we we kind of went a, a few hours out of our way to go see these trees, and it's like. Ah, yeah, uh, yeah, they're big. They're all right, I guess. We didn't have time to really hike into the woods, which was part of the problem. If we had more time to kind of go and let the woods sink in, it would have been a little better, I think. Oh, okay. I mean, all right. Yeah, it's been very hectic. We have seen uh, a lot, and it has been a great distance between each awesome thing um, in ki- kilometers, or miles, as you say in the States. But uh, the visit to Glen was uh, uh, Glen and Cathay was for me one of the highlights um, with the natural building. The, they have been built an Ailer structure, which is an amazing piece of art. It's uh, I think even even though it's uh, it's a pretty cheap building, it's maybe one of the most awesome houses I've been in. I I, uh, I I know that Glenn's taken a gazillion pictures and videos of his place and stuff like that, and um, I so I didn't take very many pictures and stuff. But but the uphill patio was so amazing that I did I did take a little video of that, um, and so it's, it's it's really showing an artistic view of what you can do with with an uphill with an uphill patio. So. Um, uh, I, and then, of course, we recorded a podcast, so by the time people hear this podcast, they've already heard the podcast with Glenn uh, Kongeser, uh, and so um, i trying, trying to remember what else we learned from them while we were there. Anything that stick out in your mind? I have something. They built, they did a lot of cob, and their cob steps on their uphill patio, they coated with linseed oil, and that uh, really seemed to seal up the cob pretty well. I was impressed by that. Yeah, that that was a good one. I like that too. <clears throat> For me, I I think that to see that out was uh, awesome um, because now I want to build my house somewhat like that or like a roof house. But that's a thing quite a change. Um, at first, it was uh, the earth bag structures that I had the most interest in. And then uh, after um, uh, a five-week stay at the off-the-grid uh, permaculture site, I was 
totally sure that cold and uh, cold wood was the way to go. And then uh, when I saw the Ailer structure, that was uh, another revelation. Yeah, I, I thought it had a lot of character going in a lot of different ways. I saw, I mean, uh, and the other thing was is that uh, at the end of the trip, we went and saw um, Mike Ailer's structures, but we took with us a guy who has uh, a lot of experience in timber framing, and that would be Caleb. And uh, and so afterwards, Caleb was saying that he was very impressed with how little work there was done with the wood and the joinery, and the fact that the structure we looked at not only was 40 years old, but nobody had lived in it for the last eight years, and and then it was still standing strong. And so, um, but yeah, I think it is it is quite the quite the impressive technique. And Glenn did mention that his favorite technique for working with posts was something that I mentioned a long time ago. I, I think I'm the person who uh, introduced the idea to him, and that was to mix borax in with the, um, the soil when you're um, packing the post in. Although I, I prefer the idea of, of packing uh, dry wood, not green. Um, the next spot, I think after that, didn't we, uh, we, we went to Santa Barbara, although... We tried to do it all in one leap, and I think we, uh, somebody told us that you can park land whale in any Walmart, and we found out that that's not true. Um, so then we started looking up to find out which Walmart, and then so we very carefully went to the appropriate Walmart, which also told us that we couldn't stay there. Um, and then we ended up staying at a truck stop, and my analysis was don't ever stay at a truck stop. Uh, and so uh, that, that that turned out to be a bit of a fiasco, but it was one of those things where it's like, let's drive as far as we can, and then when we can't drive any farther, we'll pull over at a Walmart. And that turned out to be a terrible night. <laughs> um, oh, but on that night, um, uh, I think that was the night, because it was the next morning, we got up, and the, the steps on the land wheel finally died, and uh, they wouldn't go back in. And so I think I, I fixed the steps with just some, because uh, uh, I, I, I came out after paying the bill, and, um, and you know, I think, I think folks were like, oh, no, what do we do? I just got some, what if, uh, clothesline, did we pack some clothesline? Jocelyn made us pack clothesline. And, uh, and so we weren't using it for anything, so I hacked off a piece and tied it up. There you go. It looked stupid, but it got the job done. And then we moved on. I think we were only at that point like an hour and a half away from Art's house, so then we went down to Art Ludwig. Um, On and it, a very twisty, tight road, it was tough to take the land whale. There. Yeah, the land whale did not fit well there. Um, and uh, oh, and then and then we uh, we had to park in this teeny tiny driveway with this huge land whale, and we had to kind of scrape a lot of trees to get in there. And then we had to move it, but the but when it came time to move it, it wouldn't start. And and, and then uh, uh, so I fixed it with a hatchet. <laughs> you have a, when you go out to gawk and stuff, you seem to figure out what uh, what's wrong, and I'm fixing it with uh, with these uh, absurd uh, tools. <laughs> I mean, uh, who fixed this? Uh, um, broken engine with a hatchet <laughs> in you and MacGyver <laughs> we're like him so so yeah I I, uh, I came from my old I used to have a Volkswagen van like 25 years ago 
and um, I uh, uh, or 20 years ago, and and uh, I had this book that went with it, like the Idiot's Guide to Volkswagens or something, and and uh, I remember that the uh, uh, one time the the, the same thing. It's like you turn the key, but there's no sound at all. Nothing happens. And and the when and the book, you keep turning these pages. It's like create your own adventure. And it's like if it does this, turn to page 22. And if it does this, turn to page 47. And if it does this, and, and so then you, you know you follow all the pages. You finally get to a page and it says you have a solenoid problem. What you do is you crawl under the van and look for a thing that looks like this and beat on it with a rock. And and so I thought, well. It's not making any sound when we turn the key in the land whale, so I need to whack it with something. I need to whack, but I couldn't find the solenoid, so I just kind of tapped on everything, and and then sure enough, it worked. Um, it's still working. It uh, it remembers me taking a hatchet to it. <laughs> well, and we've had a lot of trouble. We lost. Uh, uh, we we drove without without steering fluid, which turned out to be crazy, uh, and then we we got that got steering fluid. We lost a fan belt. We, uh, uh, which, which is, makes a terrible sound when it breaks. Uh, we lost, uh, we had a, one tire blowout, and we, so we had but another tire, once we took that one off, we found out that the one behind it was like, uh, seriously cracked and about to blow any second. So we replaced two tires. Um, the battery, which was supposed to last for another five years, uh, died, and we had to replace the battery. Uh, and then, um, that was in that was in Oregon, right? Yeah. Uh, and then what happened? Uh, then, uh, then you fixed the solenoid or something with a hatchet, oh, and the then steps, I fixed the steps. we drove all night. Well, we're skipping ahead of some of the dates we were going to go through. But we the other thing that happened to the land whale is the air conditioning went out in the desert. Yeah, yeah that was exciting. Yeah, it was the hottest uh, part of the country for as far south as we uh, have ever been on the tour and then uh, the air condition decided to break and speaking of which uh, the next year's tour if uh, if it is going to be a tour uh, people need to say uh, hello to Paul and I want to join the tour pitch me, oh. pitch me, pitch me <laughs> and uh, um, I hope many people uh, will uh, find interest in this because uh, having been on this tour have been an amazing experience. One thing is to read about it and uh, do a little uh, permaculture by yourself, but in order to really get an overview, it's necessary to see different uh, examples, different good examples, and talk to to the masters and all the amazing people uh, that uh, that can be reached on a trip like this. So now you've learned that there's a lot of stuff that we talk about that does not go into the podcast. So I know, and and then and we we specifically say, by the way, make sure this doesn't get said in the podcast. But you were sitting right there, so it's a much richer experience. And then, how does what what you saw compare to watching the videos? Oh wow, uh, we can take uh, the Ailer structures as uh, as one example. Uh, I I bet uh, everyone has seen the the Ailer structures on uh, on YouTube. Uh, if, if you have not, you should. Uh, and to see them, is, uh, you get a pretty good uh, idea about uh, how those uh, underground houses uh, are. But 
to really be there, to be inside of them, to see how uh, how the light uh, shines and how the how it feels spacious and uh, comforting and uh, how it yeah how it seems like a really good idea to live like that that you don't see from a YouTube video. Yeah, you don't get that feeling that it's a home. Or like when we went to uh, Jacqueline and Joseph's house, that kind of feeling of being on that piece of land. Um, and and today we went and we saw the Thousand Buddhas uh, thing. Um, and so then, you know, there's something there too. But uh, we should go back to Santa Barbara. So Santa Barbara is where we kind of left off summarizing the tour of it. Well, okay, I want to come back to Santa Barbara in just a sec. But I want to I want to also point out that like of all the video that I take, only about 10% of it actually goes up on YouTube. And and then there's like outside of that, for every hour of video I take, there's probably 20 hours of stuff that I see where I don't take even take the video. And and so it's kind of like, but in this trip, you got to see a lot of the stuff that I don't video. And, and visit with a lot of people where I don't I don't record them even though they're, they've got a lot of interesting things to say and a lot of interesting stuff going on but it's like and also it's been especially fantastic to socialize with uh, with all these amazing people we have met it's a it's a unique uh, experience and uh, everyone that uh, would like to uh, to have this opportunity should uh, should uh, already now sign up for the next year's tour in order in order for it uh, to happen. So yeah, I posted something about the tour um, for next year, and uh, and, and basically doing some rough math, it was kind of like two thousand bucks a head to pull it off. But they've got like a thing that band tours do, where they've got twelve bunks in one rig. And I was thinking like, well, okay, but I kind of got the idea that one person will be the driver, and Ivan's insisting that that's going to be him. Because he actually has a license to drive a bus, and uh, but I think we need to have a uh, secondary driver, which would pay like a half price ticket and probably drive half as much as Ivan does. Um, and then, uh, and I also like the idea that that instead of what we did this year, which is only one time, did we like go to sleep in one town and wake up in another town? I, I like that being the norm. I, I think you know you up for that. I'm not sure. Maybe I should be the secondary driver. <laughs> well, yeah, because I can imagine Ivan wouldn't want to miss out on, you know, the, seeing the places and the people, and it'd be a little hard if you're up all night. I, I'd i like to just second what Ivan said about meeting all the people. I wasn't able to socialize as much uh, because I was doing some work along the way and had to skip out on a few things to get some work done. And you went to bed super early. Yes. Yeah, we old folks went to bed while the young ones stayed up, you know, socializing. Yeah. So, but I think it's incredibly inspiring to meet people who are passionate about what they're doing and they're passionate about um, doing things um, innovative ways and ways that live a lighter footprint, to live a cleaner lifestyle. Um and I, I just find that really inspiring, and it makes me want to um, make more improvements when I get back home. And and that kind of reminds me with, with the uh, the twelve bunk bus, uh, the sleeper bus. Then uh, it's as if uh, the, the mileage has been improved to the point where it's like 
each person is driving a vehicle that gets 100 miles per gallon. So Because of the density of people in the bus. Right, because of the number of people in it. Yeah, which is, because that was like the thing that kept me from going to see Art Sooner, is, is just the thought of how much fuel I would be burning to go see him, and like, how can I think of myself as being eco otherwise? But uh, there would also be a cook, and a secondary cook, uh, and a couple of, but then, you know, there'd also be people that had to pay the full $2,000. And that's just to get the thing to break even, you know. If, if we could get some uh, paid speaking gigs on the way, then we might run into the black. But um, I, I posted something out. I sent something on my dailyish email. And I had, I believe, two people who said, yes, I would pay. And I'm thinking, like, well, I guess it's not happening. So then if people are listening to the podcast thinking that they might want to, be part of this, you know, speak up, and then we'll start putting it together. Yeah. Well, I, I think it might make a difference if we had kind of a general location and a general time frame for people when we would plan it and where we would plan it. That might make a difference. Right. I, I, I was kind of thinking like we'd hit the East Coast this next time. So, I, and, and then I guess the last thing is, is like, um, it's, I think this trip was really, really smooth, mostly because, like, 90% or better was people who invited us rather than we contact them and say, can we come visit you? And everywhere where people invited us, we were treated great. And, and I think where we invited ourselves, we were treated pretty well. And, and there have been trips in the past where it's like, um, you know, we, we went to something and it did not go well. It did not go smoothly. And, and it's like you kind of, it's, it's like, it looks easy getting all this video, um, but it's hard. It's really hard. And, and you go and you try and see interesting things and you get there and it's like the interesting thing isn't there anymore for one reason or another. Or you just, like, they don't want you to video it. They change their mind. Or who knows what. It's like there's so many different flavors of crazy. And it, it's, it's challenging to do this. So, um, uh, so I even I think you got I think everything went super smooth on this trip, and you got to see uh, lots of awesome in the works. And I am just thrilled. Ivan was a huge help as a na- navigator. Oh, right. Traveling with you, Jeff, and Ivan, me traveling with three guys was really awesome. Everybody got along great. We had a great time together. Everybody pitched in. You know, there were still some things that we were thrown together at the last minute. Too many things we were still throwing together right. at the last minute. But it's um, for winging it and driving a very old vehicle that kept breaking down. We, we still made it to all of our destinations and uh, made it to all the speaking gigs with plenty of time. And I, it was great. It was great traveling with everybody. Yeah, I, I, I'm very happy. I thought it was good. I, you know, and then Ivan, the last couple of days of the driving, uh, which I thought was very smooth. Um, and and uh, I think I think the whole thing is going to take about two years off of Jeff's lifespan uh, because driving uh, that thing, I think, is not. Uh, I, I, I think he will never volunteer for something like that again. Well, he had some very, very challenging roads. In the last couple of days, the roads have been a lot easier. So I yeah. just want to be, be kind to That's Jack. right. When we went to uh, Steve Heckeroff, those were some seriously windy roads. Oh, man. 
Yeah. And drop off down the side, right, Ivan? And after everything kept kind of blasting apart, you know, one thing after another, then I think Jeff was perpetually worried that, like, the steering wheel would come off, and, and then there's this cliff, yeah. you know, and, and so he, he was, uh, yeah. So, uh, anyway, all right, so back to Santa Barbara. Um, and and there we had Art. We made I made two podcasts with Art, and we wanted to make more, but we were out of time. And um, because you were invited um, to present in Santa Barbara, right, right. And uh, so we got there, and uh, wow, did they ever roll out the red carpet for us in Santa Barbara? Uh, and, and they started off by taking uh, the three of us. I think Jeff stayed behind to write his blog uh, about the trip uh, but the three of us and they, they treated the three of us to dinner at this like that was the best tenderloin that was the most tender tenderloin I think I've ever had Ivan called it what did you call it Ivan? swine on swine oh it's because it was, it was tenderloin pork tenderloin wrapped in bacon yeah, with a thick sauce and Paul is not uh, underestimating I, I mean uh, it was awesome so, uh, and then, and then immediately afterwards, we go to the presentation and first class set up. Wow, big crowd, um, uh, and they were super excited to see me. They asked me to put on the purple hat, so uh, I just I put it on for a moment. Everybody cheered, and then I put it away. Uh, Ivan thought that that didn't count as putting on the purple hat. I had to leave the purple hat on the whole time. What did I present that night? Animals. Oh, animals in the landscape. Right, right. So I, I bash the way everybody else raises animals. Uh, I've been denied sat in the back, and there's really friendly people, a couple people who are friends from a garden club. They weren't even part of the permaculture network there, the Santa Barbara Permaculture Network. But um, they had heard about this presentation through the garden club or through friends. And they had been going to several different presentations about backyard chickens. And since your animal presentation focuses largely on chickens, uh, it was nice to get her feedback. And she really felt that um, your view on how to care for the animals in a more respectful way was really helpful to her. Far different from the typical backyard chicken class that talks about coop and runs and how to protect from mites and things like that. Yours was more about just how to overall care for them. Is that the one where I was picking on the vegan? I can't remember. No, you're no, there was you're thinking on the vegan. I I have great respect for the vegan. That was the Petaluma Sea Bank. Where you oh, right. Right, right. Okay. So, um, I, I, I thought the presentation went really well and then when the presentation was over, uh, there and I'm picking up on my stuff. There was a pie. It was a blackberry pie, and it was awesome. And it had a sign on it. It said "Pie for Paul." Well, pie for Paul Wheat. Just and just to make sure there wasn't some other ball there. You know? Somebody posted on Permies, and I forgot his name. And said it was his wife made it. Right, right. Oh, I should remember that person's name, but. Um, I was just very happy to get the pie. It was, I, I, I thought, oh, it was, it was so good. It was so, and in fact, 
it was like a, uh, two days later, we had one piece left, and, and things were not going very well for me that day. And that last piece of pie made everything right as rain. <laughs> and, uh, and then the Surfers Without Borders guy gave us a big basket full of biodynamic produce. Lauren? Lauren? Lauren. Oh. Lauren. 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 Yeah. yeah, yeah. Lauren. Sorry. That's right, Lauren. But, yeah, Lauren, and I wish I knew how to say his last name, but he's a great participant on the Permaculture Ediblio email list, Lauren London's uh, Permaculture email list, and he just posted a great email about all the different um, root crops from the Andes that people are trying to grow these days. So it was Wesley Rowe that set that all up for us, and he's the one who treated us to dinner, and then uh, and then he gave us a ride back to Art, and and uh, uh, he had a piece of pie with us, and what a nice guy! I really like that guy, and it seems like he's doing such amazing. He was telling us about some of the things that they've been doing, and he's just so in the know and he's so genial. I think that's the right word, isn't it? Genial. Yes. He's just a happy guy, so uh, and and well organized, well organized. I I was really impressed Thank by that. I think uh, Margie does a lot of the back, you know, uh, back end organizing, and I just met her briefly and thanked her. And um, yeah, they have a great group. They've got lots of neat stuff going on there. Lots of cool people coming through, giving workshops and classes and lectures. So Santa Barbara. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that was, so that was Santa Barbara. And then the next morning, we pulled out of art. And um, uh, let's see, where do we go next week? Oh, we went to the L.A. area. Right. And uh, I, we sent, you sent an email to Larry Santoyo, but we never heard back. No. So we didn't yeah. No? Yeah, I never heard back. Yeah, so uh, uh, that's too bad. I've always, because I've heard that I would really love that guy. And yeah, and, and I was looking forward to meeting them, but apparently we didn't get things lined up. So what was cool about uh, Los Angeles was that we got to uh, to meet and hang hang with uh, with Bill Sneeders, which, uh, which is an awesome guy. There's a guy from the podcast, and so it seems like you asked about that the first day. Are we going to meet Bill Sneeders? Uh, yeah. And and so that's from the podcast where we're looking at Bill's uh, cherry tree with the worms in it. And and so I've been yeah so yeah uh, what to say about that? I mean uh, he said it was because he's the punching bad guy. Yeah, I mean he is interested in permaculture and he's trying to get uh, his uh, his family to 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 join on the project and uh, that's something we can relate to. Not uh, not uh, not so easy for everyone. Okay, I have lost my fiance because of this permaculture. Oh, okay, tell that story. <laughs> uh, okay. And you, oh, you want? That's you, man. Yeah. My my fantastic former fiance is uh, awesome in every way except that uh, she can't take any more uh, permaculture uh, talk. So uh, uh, we kind of agreed that um, we should break up in order to yeah, live our life the way we want it. She wants to live in a city, live a normal life in a city, and I, I, I can't do it. I mean, the world is burning. We need permaculture. Yeah. 
and Bill Sneeders is one of those guys that uh, that um, wants to do permaculture and is trying to get his family uh, on with it. And uh, he and you were were in his garden and talking about uh, what to do and uh, and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, I don't know how much more uh, it is to be and now, and now, it's time to point out that when we say his family, we're talking about his mom, his dad, and his brothers and sisters, because he's really close to his family. But um, I, they own property together. They own property together where he's planting a food forest. Yeah. And, and one more important thing, Bill Sneeders is also single, and he is super awesome. <laughs> so if uh, anyone uh, in the L.A. area... Uh, also think Bill Sneeders is awesome. They should uh, look him up. <laughs> and this part of our program is brought to you by the Permaculture Singles Forum out at permies.com. That's right. It's been very successful at connecting people that are in the permaculture with each other. In fact, I've gotten a lot of emails from people saying it works, it worked, it worked. So, um... I don't even think there's that many posts out there. I mean, like maybe 40 or something like that. And um, but when you go and you look at the number of views, you go look at a, a, a post, it'll have like 4,000 views. So obviously there's a lot of people looking at them, just not very many people posting them. So, um, all right, so L.A., we did see a farm. We visited one farm in the L.A. area. Yeah, uh, Wesley Rowe, as a matter of fact, told this farm we were going to be in the area, so he sent me an email and asked us to stop by Eden, Edendale Farm. And I like, I like those. They had a breed of ducks there that I like. They had, um, they're called Welsh Harlequin. And I thought they were a real pretty duck, a real humble duck, a real nice duck. I, and then the guy was describing them as being this, you know, superior duck species or breed. Good foragers. Uh, as good or better than the Muscovies that forage here. And, and uh, I don't know, I really liked them. They, they did not seem to be scared of me at all. Um, and we also saw black soldier fly larvae, and they were hanging out next to some red wiggler worms. Uh, nobody was bothering the other. Uh, we saw a double chamber cob oven there, and we also saw that they took a porta potty and they converted it to the kind of uh, composting toilet with a five gallon bucket. Oh, right. And uh, they also had uh, uh, aquaponics. Their, their main setup uh, was, uh, was down when, uh, when uh, we visited them, but they had a, a small tank with some goldfish uh, that uh, fertilized uh, their tomatoes and uh, other stuff. And that was in the shade. Uh, in a in a alley kind of uh, place without direct sunlight, but because of uh, the reflection from the from the white painted uh, alley wall, uh, they grew uh, satisfactory. Did you go into the teepee? Yes, they had a teepee which was uh, it was kind of trashy outside uh, at the at the Edendale uh, permaculture site, but inside. It was really awesome. Yeah, it was gorgeous in there. Yeah. And then, uh, and then we got to try uh, passion fruit, which you don't eat the stuff that's plump. You find the things that look like a raisin, and then you cut them open, and then there's this uh, yellow goo down at one side. So the whole thing's shriveled down to this little 
puddle of yellow goo with seeds in it, and then you get a gob of yellow goo and you put it in your mouth, and it has the texture of like snot. Uh, you cracked me up. You just wanted to talk about snot on a podcast. Not. It was. I mean, what else would you call it? What else is it like? It was. I mean, it was delicious snot, <laughs> which doesn't seem right. It, you know, but but it's like it was really very good. And, you know, I, I thought it was. I thought it was strong, sweet, delicious flavor with a bizarre texture that just seemed wrong. And uh, now I can see why. You don't go buy passion fruits at the store, but then they have passion fruit stuff and other things. Like, oh, here, have some juice that's passion fruit flavored. That that makes that makes sense uh, because I think I think people wouldn't normally say, "Do you want some passion fruit?" No, because it's like not. I, I it's not a big selling point, really. Well, um, yes. So besides being bad, we I think we went to that urban farm, Edendale Farm. They really had an intense urban operation going there. Um, then Bill took us to uh, In-N-Out Burgers. Oh, right, right. And then uh, uh, Ivan wore the hat for most of the day because Ivan kept uh, saying things to the woman like, uh, I'm from Norway and stuff. And the next thing you know, she's, she's piling, our, piling in through the window all these gift items. Yeah. And Bill thought we would we needed to try the In and Out Burger because apparently they're like uh, all kinds of natural this and natural that, and that it's a superior thing. I I wasn't really all that impressed. But did you compare it uh, to the other sake places like McDonald's and Burger King and uh, whatnot? Uh, this burger was superior. Okay. All right. Um. We, we went, went to the beach. We went to the beach. We put our, put our toes into the water. Um, and uh, uh, then I think uh, we headed for uh, San Diego. Uh, and we stopped at Fallbrook. Is that right? Right. We were invited to stay there by one of your listeners, Paul, and another Paul, and Molly. Right. And wow, you know, and so I remember in the morning getting up and uh, going to take care of some business in the morning, uh, and it's like the toilet paper was hanging in a saddlebag. I mean, like, and then there, and then and then as you sit down, you're looking at these these old tiny posts or pictures. These there's like this series of pictures on the other side. I mean, somebody went to a lot of trouble to make that place. Like every little room. Funky, cool, and, and uh, I always kind of, I, I frankly, I've always kind of made fun of interior decorators. But somebody there was like, they did, they weren't just doing it. They like really, really cared about somebody sitting where I was sitting, and uh, and it was like, it was cool. <laughs> it's like every room you go into is this new little adventure. Right, and outside, they had outside rooms as well, and lots of outside tables, and lots of outside umbrellas over the tables, and even the entranceway to their garden had a sign and had decorations hanging above it, and they, um, yeah, they, the place was very, very stylish in, in, um, 
very welcoming way. It wasn't um, uh, what I'm. What am I searching for the word? Um, it wasn't off-putting at all. It was very right. welcoming. Very not a single doily to be found. Yeah. Well, which is usually they, my fear in a place like that. They were kind of doing a. Um, some things were kind of shabby chic or country chic a little bit. I don't even know the terms for it because I'm not up I'm on glad you don't know the terms for it. Uh, but it was it was wonderful, well done, and you could tell they enjoyed their home and enjoyed making their home really attractive. Um, and they had a little boy, which they kept stored in a refrigerator box. <laughs> yes, he had a little periscope. He poked through a hole in the refrigerator box. He was uh, loving that. The periscope oh. came up when I went out there, oh, and yeah. I just stared hard into the periscope. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So uh, I don't think that boy said one word the whole time we were there. So, uh, but anyway, uh, on the more permaculturally thing. Well, did I even have any comments oh. there? Uh, when they think that I agree that uh, it was a super nice uh, place and uh, yeah, but when uh, the, the night before uh, the night we came, uh, we were sitting out uh, with Paul uh, around uh, a bonfire drinking wine and and this time uh, you uh, were up uh, quite a few hours uh, with us, uh, Jocelyn. That time I stayed up, huh? <laughs> Paul was sick. Paul was in bed, but Paul B, Paul Varese, Varese, I think his last name is, um, stayed up with us. I, I thought that was, for all the places we stayed, I, was that the fanciest? I thought that was really nice. Yeah, they had. Uh, and, and we didn't even really get to um, see the terraces. He was trying terraces, and he tried to see mixes on the terraces. They have goats. And chickens, and Molly makes um, goat milk soap, and she gave us some soap, which was really nice. Uh, Jeff hung out there while we went off and did things in San Diego, and Jeff, I think he, he wanted to live there with us. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Jeff's yeah. been talking about that place ever since yeah. we left. Yeah, yeah. He, he hung out with Molly and Molly's like mom. like paradise or something. Yeah. 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 So uh, the next day, we we went on uh, to see several farms. We started off seeing uh, a place where this guy had an orchard. And of course, orchard's a dirty word in permaculture. And uh, this guy was, I don't believe he was even doing organic. I, I saw they had uh, like a, hey, why is there a screw in this tree right here? And he says, oh, that's where I put the rat bait, because we have rats. And, um, uh, and then it's like, I don't know, what was that kind of freak? Cherry, Cherimoya. It was a cherimoya fruit, uh, native, uh, I believe, to the mountains in the Andes, um, and it was growing in this area of San Diego. And he um, had his own variety. He's Italian, Nino, and he had his own variety. He's very from seed called the Fortunata. He felt very fortunate that a good fruit came from the seed. And he's Italian, and he wanted to tell us he was Italian like eight or nine times. Oh, uh, and, awesome. and it was interesting because the um, the fruit needs to be pollinated by hand because the teeny tiny beetle that normally does it and where where the fruit comes from is not in his area. So he has to he's got a little setup where he goes around and um, finds the flowers regularly and then and then pollinates them himself manually. Um, 
very different kind of flower with very fleshy petals. Yeah. Uh, a unique, sweet scent. And, and the fruit itself, we didn't get to try any, but um, I understand that it's like pudding. And oh, it's kind of pretty, yeah. yeah. I guess. I've never tried it myself either. Yeah. Um, and uh, I don't know, there was, there was some interesting uh, things. But of course it was, and I, I elected to not say anything to him about permaculture. Really, did I say anything? I don't think I did. No, I don't think he did either. Um, but Diego Footer was our coordinator. He was awesome. He's part of a permaculture network in San Diego, um, and I've forgotten the name of their uh, their group. Uh, but he was also part of the Rare Fruit Growers, the chapter that was in San Diego County uh, there. And so Nino was part of the Rare Fruit Growers organization. And quite a few people from that came to your presentation that evening. I, one of the big things I thought about that, that, that fruit thing with that orchard is, is that that guy, here he planted a seed... And he came up with a, a, a variety of the fruit that was so good that he got to name it and everything like that. One seed, one awesome variety. Yeah. And and uh, but then he was told that it was a fluke, a one in twenty thousand fluke that he got something good and uh, or, or by worthy seed. by seed. By yeah. seed. Yeah. And and I think that that's not the case. I I think that if he went out and he planted a dozen more that he would probably have eight more good varieties. And, uh, um, but yeah, I, I want to see him do more polyculture rather than planting an orchard like that because, he's, yeah, he's getting all kinds of problems and he's having to fight the problems. Um, so I, 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 I'm sorry, I, I'm, I'm disappointed, uh, bummed that, that he didn't go and do more from seed um, and that he's, he's doing things so conventionally and stuff so but then we moved on to the next one which was like the opposite it was um uh, very permaculture the guy had only been there like a year wasn't it yeah this was uh joey dillian super cool guy that uh, lived there with uh, his uh, his uh, family and uh, he's uh, knowledgeable and uh, works uh, within uh uh, permaculture and uh, what's the title? Arbor, Arbor. An arborist. He's an arborist. Yeah. Cacti trees. That was a great uh, experience. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, there's a full video of. Well, I, I think it's probably like the the uh, the cream of the crop of the visit. Like probably it's like I think it's more than half an hour long. Of uh, of us wandering the property and like that, and the guy taking the video. His name was also Paul. They were wanting to call him Tall Paul, and then they they were trying to figure out, okay, wait, can we call him Tall Paul, or do we call you Tall Paul? Because this other Paul was an inch taller than me. Right. So he was normal size, <laughs> as opposed to all you little people. Um, so anyway, uh, um, I thought it was a really good visit. I, I liked that guy. I thought I thought he was a funny guy, and um, uh, and we had we had a lot of fun. Uh, talking about all this stuff uh, and swales I think that's the biggest important point is that when you're in a really warm area swales are the way to fly or make your hookah culture on contour is the way to fly and I think that when you're in a cold area you make your hookah culture uh, um, you know tend to go up and down uh, perpendicular to your contour um, 
you know, because you want that cold air to go right on by. Whereas in such warm areas, it's like you really want to try and glom onto that cold air and hold onto that cold air and pool the cold air. So that way, because it just gets so damn hot. Yeah, we were we were all pretty hot that day, walking around in the sun looking at his stuff. It was a pretty, pretty hot day in San Diego. You've been listening to podcast number 216, part one of a two-part series. Stay tuned to permies.com forums for notice of podcast number 217, the final podcast in this two-part series. That's all, folks.